0: we've been going through some of the parables uh, from where Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven and and what the kingdom of heaven is like. From previous messages, we we look at the kingdom of heaven as something that is already present, but not fully present, not fully here. The kingdom of heaven involves God and and God's people, and, and it's in God's place under God's rule. It is a kingdom where God is king, he is in control. It's his kingdom. And we are citizens in his kingdom. And as citizens, we all have a role. The kingdom is on earth and it includes the church, but it's not only the church. It includes our workplaces and our school places and our retirements and our homes and our governments, it includes our hobbies. God's kingdom expands all over in all areas of life. So as mentioned, we've been reading the parables. But today I'm not reading a parable about the kingdom of heaven, but rather it's a story about the kingdom of heaven. And Mark shares in his gospel about the kingdom of heaven from Mark 10, verses 13 to 16. And this is a passage in which Jesus is calling the little children to him, and Jesus blesses them. And it's about the role of children and adults in the kingdom. It's about how we can receive the kingdom of heaven like a child would. And we have many children here today, and praise God. And when they're making sounds, praise God, because children are just being children, so no worries. The context of this passage is Jesus talking to people in Jericho, and Jesus has been sharing about the upcoming death and resurrection. And in fact, this encounter with the children and uh, the disciples is about eight to ten days away from Jesus' crucifixion on the cross. And perhaps it was even this incident with the children that led more and more people to be annoyed with Jesus and to eventually, of course, crucify him. So before we read from Mark 10, 13 to 16, let's pray together. Father God, we you again will be speaking words of grace and challenge to us. So again, we need your spirit to open our eyes and hearts to the reading of your word May the words proclaimed this morning not be on, be, on, be on behalf of me, but be on behalf of you. And the words that we hear, may, may they not be filtered about our idea of what your kingdom is, but your idea and how we can be open to your kingdom like a child. Lord, we have so much to learn, and so increase our faith and invite our response to be childlike. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Mark 10, verses 13 to 16. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there's some boys and girls who are here this morning and others who are listening online, of course. And I'm going to assume that most of you are probably familiar with a 1964 book titled Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Puzzled looks. 1964 goes a little too, too far back. Okay, well, how about 15 years ago, 2005, the movie of the same name. No, no, probably not. Still too old. Well, I'm going to share this little story with you about the book and the movie. Willy Wonka is an owner of a large chocolate factory. And he was looked at as sort of this strange character. And Wonka launches a worldwide contest and frenzy when he inserts five golden tickets into his famous Wonka chocolate bars. Everybody around the world was looking for these, these tickets, and they were buying chocolate bars to find a ticket. And when five people each found a ticket, it gave the ticket owner a chance to tour the chocolate factory and win a lifetime supply of chocolate. Wow, wouldn't you know it? Five children found the ticket, and they came along with a parent to the factory for the tour. And as the day passes, each of the children falls prey to his or her own selfishness and greed, except for this one child named Charlie. In the scene near the end of the movie, Wonka, Willy Wonka unveils his true plan, and he wants to find a suitable replacement to whom he could give the factory. Willy sees that Charlie is a decent, unselfish fellow and a good character. So Willy Wonka asks Charlie, how do you like the chocolate factory, Charlie? Charlie replies, I think it's the most wonderful place in the whole world. Willie responds, I'm very pleased to hear you say that because I'm giving it to you. I can't go on forever and I don't really want to try. So who can I trust to run the factory for me when I leave to take care of my umpa Loompas? Not a grown-up. A grown-up would want to do everything his own way, not mine. That's why I decided a long time ago I had to find a child a very honest, loving child whom I could tell all my most precious candy-making secrets. Willy Wonka figured the best person to run his chocolate factory would be a young, selfless child, Charlie. Willy Wonka is kind of saying that maybe grown-ups have a different way of looking at things, and perhaps grown-ups sometimes need to receive things like a child. Well, that's a short version of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. And for those who might have been intrigued with this story, uh, the public library has the book and Netflix has the movie. So now we're going to take a look at the biblical story about receiving things like a child. In the passage of Mark 10, Jesus makes a statement that the kingdom of God belongs to children such as these. In Mark 10, we're introduced to two different age groups. The first age group are grown-ups, And mostly focusing on the disciples, because we're not actually told too much about the parents. The second age group are little children, likely infants, or in this case, actually, it's literally translated as babies. And so children and adults are to receive the kingdom the same way. The passage is not saying that we have to behave like children, but our response to receiving the kingdom of God should be like that of children. So this morning, based on this passage, we're going to look at two principles. Jesus is calling us to love children like Jesus does, and Jesus is calling us to love Jesus as children do. Well, let's first talk about loving children like Jesus does. We're going to go back a couple thousand years, because during this ancient time period, uh, the mainstream Greek and Romans only regarded children for carrying on the family name. They didn't view children with great respect. They regarded children with little esteem. There was a papyrus that was found about 1 BC that had a statement on it between a father and and the expecting mother that if it was a male child, let him live. If it was a female child, cast it out. Horrific what was going on. Among the Greeks and Romans, children were regarded as unimportant. And it seems Jesus' disciples were taking on this cultural mental model. They didn't welcome the little children by any means. The disciples thought it was ridiculous for the parents to bring the children to Jesus to be blessed. And they rebuked the parents. They were not being representative of what Jesus taught. The disciples acted like bouncers protecting Jesus from babies. They were bouncing the babies in the wrong way. Jesus had a completely different view of children. And he said that all the blessings belong to the children as well as adults. And the disciples must not have listened to Jesus just days before. They had a similar discussion. Mark 9, verse 37. Jesus said that whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome does not welcome me or rather let me say that over and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me so jesus became indignant he became indignant with the disciples and their behavior with the children the children were important to jesus the disciples were thinking that the children should grow up before they're brought to jesus jesus shouldn't be bothered with these drooling and potentially screaming infants wait till they just grow up a little more, and and then maybe Jesus is going to have time for them. Or maybe they thought it was disrespectful or, or irreverent to bring such babies into the presence of Jesus. I think maybe sometimes we have similar sentiments, right? I think we have to rid ourselves of the phrase that children are to be seen and not heard. And especially in the worship space, since the start of COVID, we continue to be without Sunday school dismissal and nursery. And, and some families are staying home on account of it, and I get it. My hat's off to you families at this time, young families. It's hard to be here. It's probably even hard to be at home, but it's probably a little easier than here. But maybe as a church family, instead of trying to figure out a new normal for nursery and, or Sunday school, we have to try to figure out a new normal for our worship services, having intergenerational worship at its best, what does it mean for children to stay in the church, to bring their toys to the church? What does it mean for children to make noise in the church and just extend, we just extend our grace? And maybe miss even hearing some words from the pastor. Or maybe the pastor just has to be simply okay with repeating some things over and over again. But well, let's be real, most pastors do repeat things over and over again in their sermon. <laughs> Love children. Love children. Like Jesus loves children. It's great to see children, parents bringing children forward through God's grace and faithfulness for baptism. It's, It's great to see children participate in the Lord's Supper, and they all participate in different ways. God's blessings, his faithfulness, and grace are for all ages. The blessings of grace are covenantal promises for even people who do not fully understand everything of the kingdom. The blessings of baptism are for children, and they don't even understand. We were reminded of that again this morning. So maybe perhaps we have to be more embracing in other areas of worship as well. We're called to love children like Jesus loves children. And it's not only in worship. At home, praying together, teaching, discipling, showing God's love and sharing God's love to our children at all times. And so Jesus wanted to place his hands on them. He wanted to bless them. And it wasn't just this group blessing or or blessing given when people sneeze. This is an intimate and a compassionate blessing. And he did this one by one. His love and his grace for the children was so evident. Jesus loves the little children. Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. The second principle in this passage is how do we love Jesus as children? Jesus calls us to be part of his kingdom and to receive his kingdom like a child. So what does like a child mean? Notice that this passage says that people were bringing little children. This indicates a a dependence They were bringing their little children. Infants are dependent. A baby can't tie shoes, can't put him or herself to bed, can't feed themselves, can't go to the bathroom themselves. There's such a strong dependence on the parents. When you think about it, in nature, many mammals begin to walk very soon after their birth. Reptiles and fish begin to swim after their birth. Birds are pushed out of the nest to fly soon after they're hatched. Yet baby humans... Do not start to roll around until about six months. And then they slowly begin to crawl. And then the walking may start as early as 10 months, but it might go on to 18 months or even longer. And even after that point, the child still does not become independent for some years. And years and years. You get it. Babies absolutely, undeniably depend on the parents. They depend on parents for protection, for physical nourishment, for spiritual nourishment. And when babies are baptized, they need the parents to bring them forward. And and then parents commit to, to a response of God's grace for their child. And the congregation commits as well. We commit, all of us, to bringing the child up, knowing the Lord. They are dependent on the church. Again, this passage notes that the disciples... That Jesus was indignant at the disciples. And many, maybe the babies were crying or spitting up. And the disciples didn't appreciate that. Another characteristic of babies is that they lack pride. Babies are not proud. You know, you got to figure they must not be. I mean, they're totally humble because they don't know any different. They don't even care where they are, when they drool or when they spit up or where they fill their diapers If they want to suddenly cry, they will. They're just being themselves. There is this innocence and a wonder and a vulnerability, a total humility. And we are born with these characteristics. God created people with these characteristics. And somewhere along the line, we lose those childlike characteristics. Grow up we say to one another. An infant is dependent and humble, innocent, with wonder and vulnerability. And these are all childlike characteristics. Are we supposed to lose these characteristics as we get older? I don't think so. These are things that will allow us in receiving the kingdom of heaven like a child. Now, yes, infants mature into youth and youth, into young adults and young adults, into adults, and that's all necessary, of course. And that happens emotionally, mentally and physically. and it should happen spiritually as well. In Hebrews 5:13, we read that we cannot stay on spiritual milk. we have to mature to solid food. And this is speaking about God's word and His truth. It's speaking that our faith needs to grow. And we are to receive the kingdom of heaven as dependent. On our Heavenly Father, humble, innocent, with wonder and vulnerability. People, we need to be dependent on our Lord and Savior, on Jesus. We need to be open to Jesus taking us places where we might not have thought we would have gone. We also need to recognize that we are in need of help. We are told that we are followers of Jesus, that we are his sons and daughters and as followers of Jesus. We must receive the kingdom of God like a baby. But yet, as adults, we often think that, you know, we can help ourselves, we can do things on our own, and we sometimes even think that when it comes to our salvation and our faith. But people of God, we are dependent on Jesus Christ. We need help from Jesus. And Jesus is the only one that can save us through his once and for all sacrifice on the cross. So people receive his gift of forgiveness, receive his gift of salvation, receive his grace, receive his kingdom like a child. So this baptism, or rather this passage, it's not talking specifically about infant baptism But the principles in this passage can be extended to infant baptism because God's grace is exhibited and overflowed through baptism. God blesses his children. They are welcomed into his kingdom. The baby doesn't have an understanding at all of the promises of Jesus or even an understanding of what the kingdom of God is all about. They're totally dependent. And we too are totally dependent on the amazing grace and unconditional love of Jesus Christ. So let's admit that we don't fully understand all there is about the kingdom. And some things don't even make sense to us. And we simply cannot fathom or grasp the full content, concept of, of God's amazing grace. But there are times we simply must have faith. And just accept the wonderful promises and wonderful blessings that Christ has to offer each of us and to our children, and our children's children, and their children. So we are called to trust and be completely dependent on Jesus and His grace and His love. So may this passage prompt us to wonder about God and wonder even more about His kingdom and may it prompt us to, so that we will respond in obedience to Jesus, loving Jesus, loving his children, loving one another, and receiving his kingdom like a child, maturing in our faith and working in his kingdom, sharing the good news of God's amazing grace with, through Jesus with others. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and awesome God, you love your children, your sons, and your daughters, and it's nothing that any of us have done, but everything that you have done. Help us to respond by loving children and loving one another and seeing that we are all part of your kingdom here on this earth. Lord, help us to respond by loving you and having faith like a child, completely dependent on you, trusting in you for everything. We praise you and bless you and give you thanks for the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and working in your church. We thank you again for your faithfulness witnessed and administered through the sacrament of baptism again this morning. Thank you for your faithfulness to this church and other churches in this community and throughout the world that proclaim the name of Jesus and that Jesus saves for those who have faith in him. And Lord, we pray for this church, for this community, for this country, for this world and we know and That there is sin and brokenness and disease and disasters that continually occur. And we pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And as we wait, may you use us to be a blessing to the nations. We pray that COVID 19 will come to an end and that restrictions can be lifted. We pray for those who have lost loved ones or livelihoods on account of COVID or other diseases. And may your presence be made known to all people and may we never forget that despite the chaos in this world that you are in control and you are making all things new. And we look forward to the day in which Jesus returns. We bless you and praise you for your son Jesus Christ who despite all our sins went to the cross and through that once and for all sacrifice brought salvation and forgiveness of all our sins. We thank you. We praise you. We respond in obedience to you. Hear our prayers. In Jesus' name, amen.